culture, nor art, nor community, real people. Uh, welcome to our new Word Up series, season one, episode one. For today's episode, I'd like to introduce a wonderful young local artist named Devontae Red Panel. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? You can correct me. Uh, it's Devante, but I go by Red artistically. Okay. Uh, well, Without further ado, uh, I would like to give a proper introduction to Red. Uh, Red is an international artist and philosopher from Newark, New Jersey. Uh, Red artwork conveys results of phenomenological research, including themes such as beauty, love, sex, police, terrorism, liberation, triumph, and enlightenment. Um, Red has created bodies of work in acrylic, oil, and how do you pronounce that, kuaji? Gouache. Gouache. Uh, clay sculptures, pencil joints, pen joints, spoken word, and photography, and videography. Um, that speaks to these themes. Much of his work is open to interpretation as he encourages viewers to actual actualize their inner Kuji. How do you pronounce that, Red? I'm sorry. Kuji Chagalia. Kuji Chagalia. Um, their power to define. Uh, one of his most recent projects has been uh, the Stimulus Package Tour, uh, which involved him driving from New Jersey all the way to California and back uh, while painting on street mediums from city to city along the way. Um, Red painted live in 40 cities across the US and Mexico, culminating the project in his hometown, North New Jersey, where he set the world record for longest time spent painting live on canvas at 24 hours. Um, in addition to that, uh, Red practices daily to refine his craftsmanships and continues to study through observation, introspection, and hands-on experiences that nourish and cultivate his uh, phenomenology. You can learn more about Red, uh, about him, his philosophy, and his artwork by going to www themuseumofred.com. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you started uh, with art, how this journey began? Uh, yeah, so um, I appreciate the introduction. I know it could be, it's a little academic, but I um, still appreciate even being here for the, for the interview. Um, how did I get started in art? I think it's just been like a natural thing for me. I remember drawing since like kindergarten, like doing, you know, circles for the hands, like not really knowing how to draw all the body parts, but still wanting to express myself using like a pencil or a pen. And then I think about like, I don't know who made the quote, but it's something that says like the, like the artist is the, the child who survived as an adult, something like that. Almost like, the idea is like everybody's born an artist and then some people, you know, due to life responsibilities, they don't show it as much. But I think it's just been something that's always been in me, but I just been I've managed to stay in touch with it. With it. So how did the philosophy part and um, come into your artwork, the academic part of it? I mean, for me, it's a lifestyle. I mean, philosophy could be real academic, but it doesn't have to be. I think it's something that everybody uses one way or another. Um, I enjoy deep conversations. I feel like, you know, I need that. I need something. I need that intellectual stimulation. I need something that, you know, challenges common thought or like status quo. I need those ideas just to like work my, my mental muscle. You know, it's like a mental exercise. I enjoy things like that. So I think me being inquisitive, asking questions, is just part of my lifestyle. It's just my approach to everyday life. So whether it's, you know, with art or even outside of art in my personal relationships, um, even within myself, like asking myself tougher questions or asking myself um, deeper questions or more like meaningful questions about like, how do I define the terms I'm using? What's beauty? What's love? What is police terrorism? Like, and um, being able to understand things from both 
or multiple angles. So mm. can I understand the people that's for it? Can I understand the people that's against it? And I understand, you know, different angles of it. But I think that's just, it's like a lifestyle. So is your artwork um, a question? Or is it an, uh, your way, uh, is, is it a, a way of you sending out a message to, to the people um, that you're trying to inspire through your artwork? Definitely. I mean, all of the above. I think it's sometimes so creativity is, it can't be pinned down into like being one thing. Um, sometimes I have like bottom up creations and then I got top down creations. Bottom up is more like, I get a feeling and based on that feeling, I'll paint something. I'll put some lines on the canvas. So I'll just go with that feeling and go wherever it flows and then it'll become something. And then at the end, I look at what I made and I have to, then I'm, I have an opportunity to either put words to it or like try to explain what happened or not. Like sometimes it's, I see artists as like mediums. So I think artists have access to the world of things that are yet to manifest. And sometimes we may interact with spirits or whatever somebody believes in. We get a vibe or a mood where we want to create something which may or may not start or end with us. So when I say bottom up, it's more like I might just, it might just be something in the air. It might be a mood. It might be a couple memes about a topic. It might be other people. I've, cross paths with throughout the day that's talking about a certain topic, mm-hmm. but then I might actually feel like, oh, right, let me draw something or let me put some colors on this page and see what come out. And then you got the top down, which is more like things I thought about. So the thought comes before the execution and I know that I know what I'm trying to say. Like I know the message and everything before I even create it. So then that's another, you know, approach. So it can happen. It happens all different type of ways, but a lot of times, um, you know, I leave my artwork open for people to take their own interpretation because I'm not here to live life for you or rationalize what art means for the viewer. I, I'd be more interested to see, like, what do you get from it? Like, when you see what I made, why do you think I made that? Or, like, what did that mean to you? It's more interesting to me to hear that, even though in the midst of all of that, um, I may have my own relationship to the art that's totally separate or apart from the relationship that somebody that's viewing it has. Background on what inspired you to do a people to heal and how you were. We're able to transition from that to the stimulus package. Okay, so they're related. But I wouldn't necessarily say that the stimulus package is a continuation per se. In a way, yes, it is because it does have, it's still like philosophical research, mm-hmm. but it's, the vibe was different for both of them. So People to Heal was more so inspired by a book. I don't remember the author's name. It's called um, To Heal a People. Mm-hmm. And it's a collection of essays by like African writers of Africans globally. Um, I don't think they're all from the continent, but they wrote essays about, you know, black experience and dealing with um, colonization, you know, enslavement, things like that, and how we've adapted to, you know, white supremacy. And so in the book, you know, I was just read. I would read like tidbits here and there. I didn't read it cover to cover, but kind of inspired me to ask my own questions about our experience and about life in general. Um, one of the questions I came up with was, is it possible to live a viceless life? Mm. And so that became like a personal um, journey or inquiry because when I do philosophical research, I, ha- I mean, it's very subjective. So when, um, that long word phenomenology is, is like a branch of philosophy that focuses on an individual's subjective experience. And that's where my research is in. So when I ask that question, it's like now I have now the way that I find out is I live through it. So I basically erased the vices out of my life to the best of my ability. And I was able to see 
is life still enjoyable without them? Like no drinking, no smoking, whatever, whatever the advice is to, to the individual. But that's what it meant to me. And um, no sex or nothing, you know, even though in having conversations with different people, um, they would say like, that's not necessarily advice, but again, it depends on how you define them. Mm-hmm. So that body of work came out of me living that lifestyle, like me living, trying to see what it's like to live without advice. Is it possible? Is it enjoyable? Um, is that even a goal to erase all vices or is it okay to have vices? Um, it also was inspired by just, um, there were two other questions that can't remember right now, but I know I had three main research questions mm-hmm. um, that inspired the work. When I put together the body work, um, just me thinking about the paintings themselves, a lot of it was focused on my experience, mm-hmm. um, things I was going through at the time, like um, coming of age, transitioning out of from childhood into adulthood, becoming a man. What kind of man do you want to be? Doing shadow work, like dealing with you know inner demons and processing trauma, you know, all of these different things that focused on my subjective experience. So it all comes back to my phenomenology. I was just basically processing and growing. And then the works that I created were just products of that process that I was going through. So a lot of them were like, um, not necessarily self-portraits, but I'm depicted in a good number of those works. And um, the other ones might talk about themes like um, me growing up in Newark and then contemplating this idea of like child soldiers, mm-hmm. which is usually associated with like the continent. But just from my experience in Newark, I was trying to, I was seeing like a thread between the experience that Africans have on a continent and the experience that Africans have in America and a child soldier in the Congo could be similar to my little brother or little sis in the hood and how, you know, kids could grow up um, kind of socialized to be like warriors. And I think that was, I'm not sure if I, that was another question that came out of that, that project, like the research was, um, are Africans predisposed to like prone are Africans prone to be like built for war? Like is it something inherent in us that makes us war ready since birth? Or is it like something we're nurtured into? Because if you look at um places like Chicago, North, I mean, there's teenagers committing violent crimes. And it's just a question of is that something that's nurture, nature, is it something that Black people just having us, you know, inherently. So all of that stuff came out um, in our artworks. And it wasn't so much that I had a final conclusion because I really didn't. When people came to the showcase, um, I actually enjoyed hearing what they had to say about all of those things and about the paintings and their interpretations. Because if you ask people, is it possible to live a viceless life or are Africans predisposed to be warriors um, and then have that conversation. Now, it's interesting what they say. Well, that was pretty much what that was about. How we transitioned from that to the stimulus package tour was, People to Hill was, happened around October, 2019. That's when I actually showed the exhibition. Mm-hmm. And that was at um, Mary Mike House in North, so it was on in the South Ward. And then COVID happened beginning of 2020. So around that time, you know, we have George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Amar Arbery, um, a lot of black people, a lot of innocent black people were killed by police. And then we also saw there were some in-house issues we had as far as black, black people killing each other too, which kind of muddied the water. I think it kind of, kind of hard for people to focus on one issue without focusing on the other. But in the midst of all of that, it just seemed like our people was just confused, like in scrambles, like we got so much going on, we overwhelmed with everything that's going on. So I started to um, think about like, what can I do? Which does tie to a people tale, because another 
now that I think about it, another research question that wasn't a formal research question, but in the back of my mind was like, how do I give myself or my people reparations? Yeah. Because that's not going to come from, I highly doubt the government's going to cut a check. So I was like, in what form or fashion can we give reparations? Now, the stimulus package tour was an extension of stimulus package. Now, the stimulus package had been going on since about, I want to say 2018 or 2017, where originally I started painting at like bus stops. So mm-hmm. I would go to like different bus stops in Newark and I would just paint I something. I that you would like post it on the bus stop. Like I saw you did like yeah. painting with a, uh, a lady with a child, I believe. And yeah, like, I did about, oh yeah, God. I did almost like 30 of those, but I did them like mostly throughout North and then I would do them in other cities like um, Virginia. I did some in Phoenix, Arizona, like wherever I would go. If I see a bus stop, I might just pull up and, you know, paint there. So that was like the stimulus package. And that. The thinking behind that was like to, I mean, a stimulus package is kind of like the stimulus checks. Like you just, you put a, something out there that's supposed to get the wheels going. It's almost like cranking up a, um, a lawnmower. So the stimulus package is supposed to be like that first time you pull a lawnmower just to get the motor going and then it should be self-propelling from there. So my thinking was like, All right, let me go in these neighborhoods or whatever and inspire people, you know, let me just leave some art here. And then somebody might see that and be like, oh, I could paint, or oh, that look easy. I know I could do that. If you just did that right quick at the bus stop, come on, I know I could do that. So making it look more tangible, making it look easier, um, might inspire people to like pull their own gifts and talents and abilities off the shelf, the ones that they've been sleeping on and actually doing. Um, can I cut pretend- you Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Were you, were you going into specific neighborhoods like where Black people live when you were going um, to those different states? I mean, not necessarily. Yes, but not... It wasn't um, premeditated in that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, ultimately, yeah. I'd say 90, 99% of the places I went 95% of the places I went was black neighborhoods. But when I went to Arizona, I don't know how many of those places were black neighborhoods. So I, I was just going wherever I was at. Like I did one even in Miami, but that was, I could tell it was a black neighborhood because it was black people at the bus stop when I was painting. Do you, do they come up to you and ask questions? Do they seem interested? Yeah, of course, all the time. Like, um, you know, I think black people are generally, you know, nonviolent. Mm-hmm. Maybe not friendly might not be the best word, but like if you're doing something, generally black people are like hospitable or like, you know, they're kind of accepting. So yeah, I've had a lot of conversations. I met a lot of different people doing the stimulus package and then doing the tour. So the tour was like more, the tour involved me traveling back to back, like, every day I'm painting. Mm-hmm. The package before that was like once a week here and there, it was like more spread out. But with the tour, I already knew. I started in New Jersey, go down the East Coast, go through the South, hit Mexico, California, go up West Coast, like through the Midwest, go up to like, I don't know, um, Salt Lake City, then go East again, through Chicago, Detroit, Flint, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Allentown, and come back to New Jersey. Yeah. I had an idea to go through Canada, like go up, because Detroit borders Canada to go through there and then come back around through Buffalo and probably do Harlem again. But um, Canada was closed, so I just had to, I had to figure it out as I was going. While you were going through all of these uh, states um, in all these neighborhoods, was there anything familiar, anything that you picked up along the way um, that made yeah. um, to your, you know, philosophical views? And um... definitely, I think um, 
one commonality between all the hoods I've been through state to state is like the hood is just a manifestation of Africans adapting to poverty. Mm. And so when you go to Chicago and you go to Newark or Baltimore or DC or um, Compton or LA or New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, wherever, when you're in an environment that's poor dealing with poverty, you see a lot of the same things, drugs, sex, guns, crime, gangs, etc. But it just seemed like that's how we adapt to that you know, it's almost, you can see that it's by design that the neighborhoods are like this. It's not random because it's, they're too similar. And similar to the point where like, knowing how to survive in one could kind of carry over to the other one. Like knowing how to carry yourself in Newark, you wouldn't know how to carry yourself in other hoods for real because it's very similar. Um. You've been to Jamaica and you've been to um, Australia. Um, your experience—what uh, your experience being out of country and being in the country—is it vastly different? And has it shaped your, you know, give you um, a different, um, how can I say, perspective? It definitely changed my perspective. Um, going to Jamaica was cool because I didn't retwist my locks. You know, I, I kind of. Blended in a little bit, you know, and um, I got from walking down the street. Say, uh, people will call me roster. I'm not a roster, but I probably, you know, I probably could pass. Like, if I, if I don't say nothing, they don't hear my accent. Maybe I don't know. But um, Jamaica was cool. Like, I didn't have no bad vibes at all. Um, like I said, I don't like black people can be violent, but I, I mean, it's a question of. Have you ever seen black people be violent in a black system? I've seen black people be violent in a white system, mm -hmm. but have you seen black people be violent in a black system? I don't know because it seems like everywhere I've been, black people have been responding to white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering like, if we ain't had to deal with white supremacy, we probably would just be chilling. Like what's the, you know, a lot of the, um, problems we have I think deal with capitalism and us being other you know we all poor so now it's like dog eat dog it's limited resources but I mean if we was in a situation where it wasn't like that we were allowed to thrive or like there weren't um, forces like COINTELPRO like these organizations designed to literally keep us poor keep us fighting each other and confused and divided I feel like we would have way more peace within our own community so what do you think the solution would be? Do you have any idea or any, I, I guess I want to see like your opinion on what the solution may be for our people, especially young people now. I mean, I can't really answer that without us identifying a problem. And I don't know if we all agree on what the problem is because you got some people that do the spook by the door roll. So they're not necessarily trying to rock the boat too much. They just want to get in position and help people where they can. I respect, you know, all different approaches. Cause again, we like, we all dealing with white supremacy, but I can't judge this man or this woman for adapting to it the way that they did, or if they adapt in a different way from me. Cause at the end of the day, I don't know if anybody has an answer that's, that applies to everyone. It's easy for me to find the answer for me, but I can't tell you to live how I live or vice versa. So I guess one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you was how do you think your art is received in the art world, especially when it's in white spaces? Um, I would like to know. <laughs> I would like to know that too. I mean, some spaces don't really let me put my whole, you know, my whole self in them. Mm -hmm. Like some, there's been certain opportunities I've had to showcase my work in, in white spaces, which I'm thankful for. I just, I've been censored before, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
on one hand, it's a good opportunity, you know, you get exposure, you know, hopefully people will get a little tidbit here, you know, the tidbit that's allowed. And then they'll look for like my Instagram page and my website and then they could get the real, you know, or they could come to one of my shows. If you come to my show, you're going to get like the full, you feel me, the full experience. Yeah. But like, um, because I'm collaborating with, you know, other galleries or museums or whoever I'm collaborating with, I got to be respectful of whatever their rules and protocols are. So sometimes I do, I'm not able to put some revolutionary pro-black images in it. Sometimes I got to put flowers. And the flowers are revolutionary revolutionary in their own way. Like I have a, a series of um, called El Jardin de Rojo, which is like Red's Garden. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of roses pushing through concrete. I mean, I think that the concept of a rose pushing through concrete is something I think, you know, anybody can relate to just getting through adversity or some, something that was difficult. Yeah. And I feel good about being able to showcase those. But it hit different when you see like a painting of a KKK member being killed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like one is not, one is a little more, the flower is going to be more palatable to certain audiences than, you know, a dead clansman. Um, some may say that your artwork, you know, especially the one with the clansman head off, uh, is divisive. Like, what would you say to someone that may think that you're aiding to the problem rather than trying, you know, trying to move forward? I mean, what divide, divisive of who, though? Like, who is being divided by the? That would be my question. Like, if it's divisive, who or what is it dividing? You know, I mean, maybe they may interpret it as like as violence. You know, like you adding on to additional mm-hmm. to violence. You know, you know, trying to instead of trying to like maintain some sort of peace through your artwork. <laughs> I mean, I would. I feel like that would be a laughable statement because look at movies and TV shows: Power, Snowfall, um, Empire. Ninety <clears> percent <throat> um, of BET movies. Uh, let me not say that because I don't really know. Mm-hmm. A lot of BET movies show violence, sex, drugs. This this um, same archetype of like this. Thug black man, gangster black man, gangster black woman, or drug drug dealer, or something like that. It's always the same archetype. So I don't see how violence and visual art, like a painting, mm-hmm. is any more um, is perpetuating anything to any extent further than Empire or Snowfall or the movies that you know they got high ratings. People watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. White says nothing. Only difference would be like, I think my artwork might <coughs> might be less palatable to people that are actually Klansmen or relatives of Klansmen because they might feel like, oh, that could be my cousin, that could be my brother. But there's violence all around us on in songs, TV shows, it's everywhere. Video games, like, mm-hmm. is my art any more violent than Call of Duty or Fortnite or man? No, for me, when I saw that image, at first I had to like take a step back. Like it was just from, maybe it's just me. I'm not so used to seeing images so raw like that. But when mm. I saw it, it was like, wow. It was this very powerful piece, but it was, it was, I guess it was just a lot to take in. Like just seeing someone's head just chopped off on a platter, like being served mm. like here. Um, but I have a, another question. Most of um, your artwork I've noticed in have this common theme. I don't know if it's the most recent artworks, but I'm noticing that you have like a lot of like biblical references. Is, is there a reason for that? Like I'm noticing a lot of um, angels and things of that nature. Yeah, I did have some. Like even the, the painting with the heads on a platter was a biblical reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I did another painting I had like was a guy holding Trump's head. That was a biblical reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did have some biblical references. I mean, I'm not Christian, but I think the stories, um, the stories just seem to match. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's just how I title it, like I had one thing 
titled Passover, which depicted like, you know, what was going on with black owned businesses at the time when, you know, around this time last year when we were more active as a country, not just black people, because it was white people out there breaking stuff, setting stuff on fire and stuff like that. But I think as a whole country, we were way more active around this time last year in terms of protesting. Mm-hmm. And so um, the concept of the painting was just based on real life. Like black businesses would put black owned signs up to let, you know, protesters and whoever else know, like this is a black owned business. When you the, um, in the community of Nork, do you think that they um, they feel connected to your artwork in any way? Do you and do you feel that being reciprocated? Um, do you do you find them buying your artwork? Do you think that they do they come to the galleries to see your artwork? So I could say yes and no, depending on who they is. So. Uh, I'm not gonna say act like I don't get love in North because I definitely do. Whether I'm paying live, when I'm paying live, people always pull over, even people I don't know. They stop their car and pull over and say something. I've had people park, get out their car just to like give me positive words, like encourage me to keep going. So I do feel a lot of love on that. And um, social media wise, I think I get a lot of love from you know people in North, especially people that. Um, I've been following me for a good number of years now. They um, compliment like the growth. Like I guess they could see how my craftsmanship has changed or improved over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as with the city, I've done murals in the city. I feel like I got love for that. I was an art teacher in the city for almost three years. I feel like I got a lot of love from my students and stuff like that. Um, By the way, yeah. you can check out his mural. I believe it's on Springfield Avenue. You have yeah, they changed the name of that school. It used to be West Community High School. Then it was North Leadership Academy. I don't know the name of the school now. But yeah, it's right going down. If you're going eastbound on Springfield Ave, like you're going to downtown, it's on the right-hand side. It's going to be a liquor store right there. So Social Security building on your left, post office on the right-hand side. It's going to be like in that school's parking lot. But that's a project that I did in collaboration with um, Youth Build North, mm-hmm. North Leadership Academy, and basically that was like um, proposed to the in the city of North, proposed by students of in LA, and they pulled me in. You know, I guess they had a bunch of artists to choose from, and they chose me to do like this memorial for like young people that died, young people under the age of twenty five that died, which I think. I got love for that. Like the, I seen the community come out, people, mothers came out because pe- you know you could go to the wall and write your loved one's name on the wall. So it's like they always had this memorial or this thing to remember mm-hmm. their loved ones. And um, seeing like moms come out and tell their stories about their kids, like cry or whatever, or kids come out and put their parents' names up there and stuff like that. That was cool. Um, but when I say I don't get love, I'm I guess I get love, but I feel like the job's not done. Like, you know, as far as marketing myself, networking, spreading my brand, like I could definitely grow my brand more. Yeah. But I'm but I'm appreciative of the people that's been rocking with me up to this point and you know, moving forward. As far as like sales, I think um sometimes I don't I don't always make the art to sell it. And so when I make it Sometimes, you know, a sale is the last thing on my mind. I don't even think about it like that. And sometimes when people ask me for it, like the value of it don't necessarily match whatever their budget is at the time. So, yeah. like, if I did, you know, again, going back to networking. So, sometimes people support where they can, you know, having lower price points. Maybe they'll get a t-shirt or a print or something. But, like, some of the artwork, especially as I improve and I grow, like sometimes people want to support, but they might struggle to because of financial reasons or whatever they have going on in their life. But overall, I would say, yeah, I do get love. People order like custom hats, jackets, um, all type of stuff, like paintings, prints, everything. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I guess the next question would be um, extending from that. Um, do you think that they feel welcome in gallery spaces? Because I notice all the time when I go to the galleries, I'm not really seeing a lot of people per se within the community coming in. It's just mm -hmm. a, a specific type of group of people that I see. Right. Um, okay, so for my showcases, mm -hmm. I did see people from the community come in, but they were people I knew. So since I'm from the community, then yeah. Strangers, I did see some that would come because they knew somebody that knew somebody. Um, also, my last exhibition was at Mary Mike House, which um, I probably could have put a sign out front. I didn't put a sign out front that said, hey, come in, you know. So I, I could have been more inviting, but I do feel for the people that came, they did feel comfortable being there. They got like a more full experience because I'm there to explain things to them. As far as like other gallery spaces, and things like that, from my own eyes, I haven't really seen the whole community, but, and I get what you're saying, like there's a certain, like you might see people that's artsy, or like art collectors, or art dealers, art buyers, people that's into the arts lifestyle go, but like you see, like people, I don't know, that's not necessarily into art there, no. But I don't know, I mean, is that a problem? Because if you go to the basketball court, you see people that play basketball. So I don't know if that's any different in terms of the art spaces. Like, is it that the gallery's uninviting or is it that, you know, the people that aren't showing up just don't want to go anywhere? I don't know, because I think I asked that question because a lot of the times, you know, the art culture, like they say they represent the community, but a mm. lot of times I don't really see the community engaging with them. There's this like disconnect. And I'm wondering if that disconnect comes from maybe them, them feeling not welcome. Um, and I, I guess I just wanted your your take on what you, you think might be happening where that disconnect may come from because i personally i feel like a lot of people from the community connect with your artwork and that's one of the reasons why i wanted you on uh rep daily uh, rep nork daily because mm -hmm. going through your page i see a lot of people from nork talking with you engaging with you and i don't really see that um i guess it would depend on who you want to see there and like who you, who do you count as the community because I mean, the community isn't a monolith. It's very diverse. Like you got some people that might grow up on a number block, let's say they live on 11th street. They might be into art, but they might be the only person in their friend group that's into art. And they might want to go to the gallery, but depending on where they're at in their own like identity develop development, they may not feel comfortable going solo. So it might be some people that want to go, that feel welcome to go, but they're not going to go because their friends don't want to go. Mm -hmm. Or we got other people that might not go. I mean, these could sound like excuses. I don't know. You would have to really ask the people because I only know from my eyes, so I can only assume, you know? Like, I would think maybe people got certain life responsibilities, like kids, work, you know, different things that prevents them from going. I've had people that I wanted to go to, like, galleries and stuff like that when my work was on display that didn't show up as well, so... I don't know if they I can't say they don't feel welcome because I personally invited them they ain't go though so I couldn't tell you I think maybe people have their own their own stuff going on in life that you know might get in the way it may not be the gallery itself it could be whatever personal stuff that they going on that they have going on okay well I guess um I just wanted to your take because it's just a personal observation of mine. Um, mm. You know, do you uh, do you feel supported like within the art community? So, well, for one, I val I want to validate the f what I think you're feeling as far as the disconnect mm -hmm. because not exclusively to, to North, but I've been to museums all over. When I travel, like that's my place to go to. Mm -hmm. Usually elderly people at the museum or school trips. But like museums, I don't know, I'm not there on a daily basis to see who actually goes there. I know like um, growing up, I didn't even go to North Museum. 
and it's right downtown. So I think the disconnect might be a cultural difference. Like it's not a cultural norm for us to just go to the museum. Like some people go to the museum on a school field trip, won't go again until 20 years later when they want to go on a, a cheap date or something. Not cheap, but like, you know, museums don't cost to get in sometimes. You know, it's like a nice, I mean, nice little date for whoever. But other than that, they might not even go for real. But I don't remember your other question, but I did want to validate. So I guess one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you was how do you think your art is received in the art world, especially when it's in white spaces? Um, I would like to know. <laughs> I would like to know that too. I mean, some spaces don't really let me put my whole, you know, my whole self in them. Mm -hmm. Like some, there's been certain opportunities I've had to showcase my work in, in white spaces, which I'm thankful for. I just, I've been censored before, you know? Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it's a good opportunity, you know, you get exposure, you know, hopefully people will get a little tidbit here, you know, the tidbit that's allowed. And then they'll look for like my Instagram page and my website, and then they could get the real, you know, or they could come to one of my shows. If you come to my show, you're gonna get like the full, you feel me, the full experience. Yeah. But like, um, because I'm collaborating with, you know, other galleries or museums or whoever I'm collaborating with, I gotta be respectful of whatever their rules and protocols are. So sometimes I do, I'm not able to put some revolutionary pro-black images in it. Sometimes I gotta put flowers. And the flowers are revolutionary revolutionary in their own way. Like I have a, a series of um, called El Jardin de Rojo, which is like Red's Garden. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of roses pushing through concrete. I mean, I think that the concept of a rose pushing through concrete is something I think, you know, anybody could relate to just getting through adversity or some, something that was difficult. Yeah. And I feel good about being able to showcase those. But it hit different when you see like a painting of, a KKK member being killed or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like one is not, one is a little more, the flower is going to be more palatable to certain audiences than, you know, a dead Klansman. Um, some may say that your artwork, you know, especially the one with the Klansman head off, uh, is divisive. Like, what would you say to someone that may think that you're aiding to the problem rather than trying, you know, trying to move forward. I mean, what divide, divisive of who though? Like who was being divided by that? That would be my question. If it's divisive, who or what is it dividing? You know, I mean, maybe they may interpret it as like, as violence, you know, like you adding on to additional mm -hmm. to violence, you know, instead, you know, trying to, instead of trying to like maintain some sort of peace through your artwork. <laughs> I mean, I would, I feel like that would be a laughable statement because look at movies and TV shows, Power, Snowfall, um, Empire. 90% um, of BET movies, uh, let me not say that because I don't really know. Mm -hmm. A lot of BET movies show violence, sex, drugs, this, this, um, same archetype of like this thug black man, gangster black man, gangster black woman, or drug drug dealer or something like that. It's always the same archetype. So I don't see how violence and visual art, like a painting, mm -hmm. is any more, um, it's perpetuating anything to any extent further than Empire or Snowfall or the movies that, you know, they got high ratings, people watch them all the time. White says nothing. Only difference would be like, I think my artwork might <coughs> might be less palatable to people that are actually Klansmen or relatives of Klansmen because they might feel like, oh, that could be my cousin, that could be my brother, but there's violence all around us on in songs, 
TV shows, it's everywhere. Video games, like, is my art any more violent than Call of Duty or Fortnite or, man. No, for me, when I saw that image, at first I had to like take a step back. Like it was just from, maybe it's just me. I'm not so used to seeing images so raw like that. But when mm. I saw it, it was like, wow. It was this very powerful piece, but it was, it was, I guess it was just a lot to take in. Like just seeing someone's head just chopped off on a platter, like being served mm. like here. Um, but I have a, another question. Most of um, your artwork I've noticed in have this common theme. I don't know if it's the most recent artworks, but I'm noticing that you have like a lot of like biblical references. Is, is there a reason for that? Like I'm noticing a lot of angels um, and things of that nature. Yeah, I did have some. Like even the, the painting with the heads on a platter was a biblical reference. Mm -hmm. um, I did another painting I had like was a guy holding Trump's head. That was a biblical reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did have some biblical references. I mean, I'm not Christian, but I think the stories, um, the stories just seem to match. Like, mm -hmm. whether it's just how I title it, like I had one painting titled Passover, which depicted like, you know, what was going on with Black-owned businesses at the time when, you know, Around this time last year, when we were more active as a country, not just black people, because it was white people out there breaking stuff, setting stuff on fire and stuff like that. But I think as a whole country, we were way more active around this time last year in terms of protesting. Mm -hmm. And so um, the concept of the painting was just based on real life. Like black businesses would put black owned signs up to let you know protesters and whoever else know like this is a black owned business when you the um in the community of Newark do you think that they um they feel connected to your artwork in any way do you and do you feel that being reciprocated um do you do you find them buying your artwork do you think that they do they come to the galleries to see your artwork so i could say yes and no depending on who they is. So uh, I'm not gonna say act like I don't get love and look, cause I definitely do. Whether I'm paying live, when I'm paying live, people always pull over, even people I don't know. They'll stop their car and pull over and say something. I've had people park, get out their car, just to like give me positive words, like encourage me to keep going. So I do feel a lot of love on that. And um, social media wise, I think I get, a lot of love from you know people in North, especially people that um have been following me for a good number of years now. They um compliment like the growth. Like I guess they could see how my craftsmanship has changed or improved over the years. Mm -hmm. Um as far as with the city, I've done murals in the city. I feel like I got love for that. I was an art teacher in the city for almost three years. I feel like I got a lot of love from my students and stuff like that. Um by the way, yeah. you can check out his mural. I believe it's on Springfield Avenue. You have yeah, they changed the name of that school. It used to be West King High School. Then it was North Leadership Academy. I don't know the name of the school now. But yeah, it's right going down. If you're going eastbound on Springfield Ave, like you're going to downtown, it's on the right-hand side. It's going to be a liquor store right there. So Social Security Building on your left, post office on the right-hand side. It's going to be like in that school's parking lot. But that's a project that I did in collaboration with um, Youth Build North, mm -hmm. North Leadership Academy. And basically that was like um, proposed to the, in the city of North, proposed by students of in LA. And they pulled me in, you know, I guess they had a bunch of artists to choose from and they chose me to do like this memorial for like young people that died, young people under the age of 25 that died, which I think I got love for that. Like the, I seen the community come out, people, mothers came out because you know you could go to the wall and write your loved one's name on the wall. So it's like they always had this memorial or this thing to remember mm -hmm. your loved ones. And um, seeing like moms come out and tell their stories about their kids, like cry or whatever, or kids come out and put their parents' names up there and stuff like that. That was cool. 
Um, but when I say I don't get love, I I guess I get love, but I feel like the job not done. Like, you know, as far as marketing myself, networking, spreading my brand, like I could definitely grow my brand more. Yeah. But I'm but I'm appreciative of the people that's been rocking with me up to this point and you know, moving forward. As far as like sales, I think um sometimes I don't I don't always make the art to sell it. And so when I make it, sometimes, you know, the sale is the last thing on my mind. I don't even think about it like that. And sometimes when people ask me for it, it's like the value of it don't necessarily match whatever their budget is at the time. So yeah. like if I did, you know, again, going back to networking. So sometimes people support where they can, you know, having lower price points, maybe they'll get a t-shirt or a print or something. But like some of the artwork, especially as I improve and I grow, like sometimes people want to support, but they might struggle to because of financial reasons or whatever they have going on in their life. But overall, I would say, yeah, I do get love. People order like custom hats, jackets, um, all type of stuff, like paintings, prints, everything. Well, I guess the next question would be um, extending from that. Um, do you think that they feel welcome in gallery spaces? Because I notice all the time when I go to the galleries, I'm not really seeing a lot of people per se within the community coming in. It's mm-hmm. just a, a specific type of group of people that I see. Right. Um, okay, so for my showcases, mm-hmm. I did see people from the community come in, but they were people I knew. So since I'm from the community, then yeah. Strangers, I did see some that would come because they knew somebody that knew somebody. Um, also, my last exhibition was at Mary Mike House, which um, I probably could have put a sign out front. I didn't put a sign out front that said, hey, come in, you know. So I, I could have been more inviting, but I do feel for the people that came, they did feel comfortable being there. They got like a more full experience because I'm there to explain things to them. As far as like other gallery spaces and things like that, from my own eyes, I haven't really seen the whole community, but, and I get what you're saying, like there's a certain, like you might see people that's artsy or like art collectors or art dealers, art buyers, people that's into the arts lifestyle go, but like you see like people, I don't know, that's not necessarily into art there, no, but I don't know. I mean, is that a problem? Because if you go to the basketball court, you see people that play basketball. So I don't know if that's any different in terms of the art spaces. Like, is it that the gallery's uninviting or is it that, you know, the people that aren't showing up just don't want to go anywhere? I don't know, because I think I asked that question because a lot of times, you know, the art culture, like they say they represent the community but a lot of times I don't really see the community engaging with them. There's this like disconnect. And I'm wondering if that disconnect comes from maybe them, them feeling not welcome. Um, and I, I guess I just wanted your your take on what you, you think might be happening, where that disconnect may come from. Because I personally, I feel like a lot of people from the community connect with your artwork. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on uh, Rep Daily, uh, Rep Nork Daily, because mm-hmm. um, going through your page, I see a lot of people from Nork talking with you, engaging with you, and I don't really see that. Um, I guess it would depend on who you want to see there, and like who you, who do you count as the community? Because I mean, the community isn't a monolith; it's very diverse. Like you got some people that might grow up on a number block, let's say they live on Eleventh Street. They might be into art, but they might be the only person in their friend group that's into art. And they might want to go to the gallery, but depending on where they're at in their own like identity develop development, they may not feel comfortable going solo. So it might be some people that want to go, that feel welcome to go, but they're not going to go because their friends don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Or you got other people that might not go. I mean, these could sound like excuses. I don't know. You would have to really ask the people because... I only know from my eyes, so I can only assume, you know? Like, I would think 
maybe people got certain life responsibilities like kids work you know different things that prevents them from going I've had people that I wanted to go to like galleries and stuff like that when my work was on display that didn't show up as well so I don't know if they I can't say they don't feel welcome because I personally invited them they ain't go though so I couldn't tell you I think maybe people have their own their own stuff going on in life that you know might get in the way it may not be the gallery itself it could be whatever personal stuff that they going on that they have going on okay well I guess um I just wanted to your take because it's just a personal observation of mine um mm. you know do you uh do you feel supported like within the art community so well for one i'll val i want to validate the f- what i think you're feeling as far as the disconnect because mm-hmm. not exclusively to, to north but i've been to museums all over when i travel like that's my place to go to mm-hmm. usually elderly people at the museum or school trips, but like museums, I don't know, I'm not there on a daily basis to see who actually goes there. I know like um, growing up, I didn't even go to North Museum and it's right downtown. So I think the disconnect might be a cultural difference. Like it's not a cultural norm for us to just go to the museum. Like some people go to the museum on a school field trip, won't go again until 20 years later and they want to go on a, a cheap date or something. Not cheap, but like, you know, mm-hmm. museums don't cost to get in sometimes. You know, it's like a nice, I mean, nice little date for whoever. But other than that, they might not even go for real. But I don't remember your other question, but I did want to validate. Rock the boat too much because they might be replaceable and they might not want to risk being able to provide for their families to put up some revolution. As an artist, um, are you mindful? You know how you know how we were talking about a lot of artists. You know they do sometimes receive funding from certain organization. Um, with your artwork, are you mindful of I guess where you receive your fundings and things of that nature? Are you fine? I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely answered that question correctly. I do apologize, mm-hmm. but I just want to know, like, as I feel like you're 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 such a free thinker, and I just want to know, like, are you independent or are you funded by anyone? Um, so I would say, um, yes, I am mindful. I think I don't know. It was a brother that said it one time. I don't remember his name, but it was years ago. He just said, um, "Terms and conditions." I think that that's the best, that's the most politically correct way to say it is like, what are the terms and conditions of disagreement? If I'm working with somebody or somebody's paying for a mural, what's the terms and conditions? And that'll determine whether or not I'm with it or I'm not. Mm-hmm. If I can, I mean, it's always negotiable depend, depending on who the person is. I think that's probably the best approach. Like maybe we could give and take, you know, I might not be able to put up image of a dead Klansman on a city building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's revolutionary. Yeah, it might make Black people feel good because, you know, I feel like we have a lot of feelings that aren't validated. And so we just sit with them. They be like bottled up and seeing it, like if we were able to see it, it just feels good to see it. I remember seeing a video. It was a, it was like this white, it was an old white guy in the gas station, the Black guy there, and a white guy was calling him boy, but boy in that context, the way he was using it with the tone was kind of like a racial epithet. Like he was saying boy, like how they would say to a slave, like, yeah. I don't remember, he said some, 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 some boy. And then uh, he like walked up on a black guy, like approached him. And then the black man defended himself. And it's just like that scene in Django. When you see Django finally get that whip, <laughs> and he start whooping that uh, the, the slave master before he could beat the other slave. Yeah. It's a feeling that we feel. I think as a people, we just feel this feeling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we have more, that's that's more motivating. Like, I like that feeling. And if, if art could stimulate that feeling, I feel like we just, 
we just feel validated. Like, yeah, this is what this is what we we've been waiting for. Like, this is what we've been we want. You want to see Django whoop his ass? Yeah. Like, you want to see? Or I don't know. If that's inappropriate, but no, it's not. This is a wanna, no censorship. Yeah, you want to see Django do that, and we want to see us win at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Um, sidebar, but like some movies halfway get there, but they don't get there. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Umar. Yeah, but, um, I like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he get turned into memes a lot, but a lot of his content be on point. Yeah. But just, um, there's a book uh, called Brainwashed. Get the guy's name, but it's a book out there called Brainwashed. It might be more than one, but it's basically about how the media has been used to convince black people that we're inferior. Yeah. And so I think about movies like Hancock, Will Smith. Hancock was cool, right? Like he, he was a superhero. He could fly, super strong, super fast. He got all these talents. But when you look at the plot of the movie, it took a white man to civilize him. It took a white man to convince. If you go back and watch Hancock and just watch how the movie plays out, Hancock is this uh, drunk, you know, alcoholic superhero. Like, he don't really know who he is, lack of identity, whatever, but super strong. He saves this white guy's life, and then the white guy becomes his, like, PR person. And so the white guy helps him change his image, convince him to go to jail, convince him to wear a tight leather suit, convince him to to civilize him, which reiterates this... um, this narrative that like black people need white people to civilize us. Like Africa was this, this uh, chaotic place and Europeans came and just civilized it. That's the, that's been this common narrative that's been in history books for years. Like, and I think um, as far as art, whether it's visual art, I think sometimes when you create novel pieces, like new ideas and you change that narrative, there's pushback. And I think sometimes that's what keeps like the status quo. That's why you feel a disconnect. And that's why when you go in certain gallery spaces, it's just like, well, like, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to MoMA a couple of times. Some of the work in there, just, I just don't personally feel connected. Maybe somebody else feels connected. So I can't say take it down. But for me, my experience being African-American growing up in the United States and living in the hood and experience in the suburbs i you know i've lived a lot of places i do feel that disconnect and i think more art with like um more art that shows us like being powerful like not need we don't need white people to civilize us we were civilized before europeans intruded into africa I think this is going to conclude our episode for today. Um, you guys, you can check out Red um, on his Instagram page, fineart.red. Am I correct? Yep, fineart.red. Fineart.red. And you can also go to his uh, website. Um, what is your website? Can you remind us? The, the museumofred.com. The museumofred.com. And you can find uh, more of his artwork there. Um, I did want to mention that you do have a clothing line, kit clothing. I noticed yeah. that. Yeah, so visit uh, Kit Clothing. What's the Instagram? On Instagram, it's just Kit Clothing. Kit Clothing, yes. Yeah, I and you also have a book, right? Yeah, I do. I just came out with a children's book that I illustrated. It's called To All My Students. So, guys. And I sent collaboration with Brittany Frizzell. She's actually the author. But there's links to my books, my YouTube channel. Uh, my merchandise, everything is on my website, the museum of rare.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I read, I really appreciate it, and learned a lot. And I'm sure everyone might have questions for you. So if you have questions for Red, please go to his Instagram page, check out his artwork. Um, you could, I guess, DM him, you know, if you're interested in the artwork, and um, comment, you know, comment under his, his images that he posts, and um, I'm sure you'll get this.